Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. So thanks so much indeed for joining us and uh, uh, delighted to have you on board and also delighted to have um, my erstwhile uh, colleagues, uh, Matt Dunn from the Daily Express, Neil Moxley on board, Chris McKenna as well joining us um, this this week. So thanks so much for joining, guys. Nice nice to see you all. Um, and what a, you know, I have to say, what a busy uh, busy few days really. We, you do think sometimes when the season starts, it will it will calm down, but busy busy yesterday uh, with Harry Kane. Will he start tonight for Spurs? to try and bring back his, his redemption for the Spurs fans after perhaps one of the most embarrassing transfer sagas we've seen in recent years, really. And where does this leave the England England captain? Well, to perhaps take a look at Arsenal um, ahead of their trip to, to Manchester City. What does a 6-0 win at West Brom do for their confidence? Does it help their belief ahead of facing the Premier League uh, champions? And then also, really, maybe the clash of the weekend, Liverpool v Chelsea. Uh, Van Dyke v Lukaku, what a fantastic clash that has got! So, so nice to see you all guys. Let, let's start with uh, Harry Kane, shall we? And um, does this does this mean, Matt, that that basically everything is forgiven and forgotten for the England captain? It, it, you know, do we pretend like the last six weeks, two months, or you know, or so never happened? Uh, of course not, because that's going to be hanging over Harry Kane every time he runs on the pitch this season. Um, the one thing is, Spurs fans, you can guarantee, um, will sing he's one of our own every time he scores a goal for them. And the chances are, if anything, if the last seasons are anything to go by, that'll be a lot. So he will win back their affection, I think. And ultimately, they recognise the reasons why he wanted to, to leave this summer. Um, he made an absolute mess of, of trying to achieve it. Um, uh, and rubbed a few people up the wrong way, but but not enough to have them forget the last seventeen years of service that he's given the club. And um, uh, and yeah, he, he, it'll be an interesting last season. There'll be an emotional farewell. I think Spurs fans will be ready for him to be even saying goodbye in the, in the next summer. And with two years left on his contract, I think the uh, negotiation stances change, uh, and Levy won't be able to hold on to him um, as he has done this summer. Neil, do you, do you think do you, do you concur with that? And you know, do, do, does his value change dramatically next summer to such an extent that that basically, I mean, it feels like we've been discussing this every week, by the way, doesn't it? But um, finally, we're going to draw a line under it. This is the last one. Um, that, that basically, you know, does, does last next season because of his age, because of perhaps his decreasing value, does this? consign Harry Kane almost to being that kind of one club man, a Matt Letizier, a kind of a uh, a one club legend. You know, he could he could easily become Tottenham's greatest goal scorer of all time, couldn't he? Do, do you think he, he moves next summer or do you think he stays again? Or is it, is it um, I, I, I think it depends again on the sort of pressures that, that, that would be buyers of Harry Kane can find themselves in the next, um, next summer, John. Uh, if you think about it, you know, there's some sort of talk that Manchester United should should make a, like people I've been speaking to have suggested that, that they should. 
um, you know, just break the bank and get him. Personally, you know, I think it comes down to who's who's in desperate need of a centre forward. Obviously, with the mess, there's a, there's a very finite pool of clubs that can actually afford Harry Kane, um, and whether or not they they need one. Now, Chelsea have obviously gone out and plugged that gap by signing Lukaku. Manchester City have still got a need, you would think, for a frontline striker. Manchester as, as have Manchester United, but. I would, I would contend. Uh, but if you think about it, where else, where else would would he most likely go now? There's, like I say, there's a finite pool. It really depends on whether or not how desperate they are to try and um, wrestle him out of, of Spurs' hands. There is obviously, you know, a um, uh, some sort of equilibrium uh, cost versus time remaining on contract, um, uh, you know, factorial that Daniel Levy would have um, worked into his calculations as to how much he can possibly get for Harry with two years left on his on his contract uh, again, but John, to be honest, to me, it comes down to uh, desperate, you know, a supply and demand who wants him, uh, who's got the money to pay for him. And, and yes, I mean, it may well be again next season, next summer that, you know, that, that Harry doesn't go anywhere. And, he, and, and again, that the, the picture changes then he's got 12 months left. He's approaching 30 or he's 30. Uh, he's got, a, you know, his shelf life is, is diminishing. Uh, and obviously problems with his ankle, you might think uh, are going to increase or whatever. He seems to, you know, miss him one or two games these days. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think very much it depends on, on where the market is next summer. Mm, yeah. Qu- Chris, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it, for the fans to forgive and forget, or maybe it's not, I don't know. But, you know, there's been previous examples of kind of players uh, going on strike or making life difficult, you know, sort of kind of sulking, not getting the moves they want. I mean, you know, I tried to list a two or three yesterday, sort of, you know, Dimitri Payet springs to mind, you know, sort of Carlos Tevez, that sort of thing. Coutinho, you know, had a bit of a saga, didn't he, at Liverpool, which, you know, could have easily gone against him, but the fans kind of, you know, welcomed him back until he left, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, you know, do fans just move on? Do you just need to when, when you're that sort of player, that, that sort of status earns you that forgiveness, does it? Uh, yeah, I think if, if he scores... 20 goals this season and Tottenham are up there pushing the top six and maybe fighting for a trophy. I think that'll go a long way, long way to making Spurs fans forget about it. But the the one thing, if I was a Spurs fan looking at that statement yesterday was two words in it that, that would worry me. And I thought it was a bit of a slap in the face to them still was this summer. He didn't say I'm staying at Spurs. He said, I'm staying at Spurs this summer. It's not like he's committing his long-term future to him. It's not like he's like, oh, I've made a mistake. I love this club. I want to stay. He's just told him, oh, I'll stay for this summer now. I'll give it another year. I just thought that, I thought that was, wasn't was great, great wording in it. Um, and if you're looking at that as a Spurs fan, you're going, all right, cheers. So another year. And then you're, you're going to, you're going to do this all again next summer and try and move. So that might linger for him, I think. Um, but as you say, goals, goals have got a great, uh, Great uh, knack of um, wiping memories clean, haven't they? Uh, and as I think it was Matt who said, as soon as he scores, it'll be he's one of our own and all of this. But I still think there'll be a bit of resentment and that would only kind of really rear its head if his form wasn't great. If he, if he came into the season and he's not scoring and regularly, then fingers would be pointing at him going, oh, is he distracted? Did he not have a proper pre-season because he was just thought he was going to move and all of that? So... Goals, goals will wipe the memory, but he's got to uh, deliver them, and maybe that's a bit of extra pressure on him. Chris, just picking up on the your this summer comment, I think that's exactly where Harry Kane's mind is at the moment. He is furious at having to write that tweet. He doesn't. It wasn't the fans at Molyneux that 
that swayed his mind. It's the fact that all avenues are now closed to him. City have made it clear they're not going to pay what Levy wants. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place. He will be desperate to leave next summer because he feels that he was, should have been allowed to go this summer, rightly or wrongly. So he'll be playing all season, I think, to attract a, 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 someone, which is going to work for Tottenham's benefit because he'll be playing out of his skin to get one of the big clubs to sign him. But he'll be a year more determined to uh, win trophies uh, by next summer. And the, this summer makes it clear that he's only doing this because he has to right now. Uh, and uh, and I think he's already made his mind up that he's going to have a swan song somewhere else where he can get some silverware. But the problem he might have next summer is that a certain Erling Haaland's going to be on the market. And if you're looking for a striker, if he has another great season at Dortmund and he's, what, 21, 22, you're going to spend 100 million, 150 million or whatever his release clause is. That'd be where my money would be going, not on a 29-year-old. Well, absolutely, you might have to go for second dibs, but that's why he's furious yeah. it's not happened for him this summer, I think. But he'll be, he'll, you know, Harry Kane's single-minded as like, he, he'll be wanting to spend the whole of the next 12 months proving he's a better striker now than Erling Haaland than anybody else in Europe. Don't, Neil, don't, don't City need... I, I mean, you know, Jamie Carragher did a column, I think, last week in which he sort of said, basically, City, City needs to take a bit of a shoulder of the blame here. They're basically... You know, they've left him hung out to dry here. I mean, it, it feels like they've never come close. Seems a bit, it seems a bit odd that the England captain basically has gone out on a limb to try and force a transfer, which remote never remotely came close, frankly, in, in you know, to give it some context. They've clearly bid, they've clearly wanted the player, but the two sides were never, never close to agreement at any stage, were they really? And it just seems a bizarre thing that, I don't know, if they hung him out to dry a little bit. Well, listen. You're asking a fair question, John. I mean, if it was me, I'd be pointing the I'd be pointing the finger at blame at my agents. I mean, quite what well, I mean, Jack. Jack hates to say this, but if you wanted a blueprint for how to how to leave a football club, Jack Grealish gave one. Um, Twelve months ago, he signed a new contract. He put in it what would have been a massive escape clause that benefited Aston Villa hugely. It meant Villa could justifiably turn around to their supporters and say, "Look, we have lost one of our own, but we've been recompensed to the tune of a hundred million pounds for an academy product." Um, Grealish get, got a big pay hike last last year. Left, you know, with the good wishes of pretty much everybody at, at Villa Park, who sort of accepted that, you know, he was twenty five and he had to he had to move on. And and like I say, the the, um, the 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 amount of money that he got that Villa got for him enabled them to sort of justify it. I mean, quite why Harry Kane didn't have that in his new contract um, when he signed when he signed it signed that massive six year deal a few years ago. I, I mean, I'm just beggars belief, quite frankly, John. Um, you know, all of a sudden it takes, you know, if Harry Kane wants to go and somebody else can pay the money, Daniel Levy's taken out the equation. I mean, that's it. I mean, all, all these, you know, whatever the behind the scenes conversations were about gentlemen's agreements. I mean, surely to, you know, I just don't, I just don't get it. You know, professional people sitting around a table with Daniel Levy, they know his reputation and know he's hard as nails when it comes to negotiation. We all get that. But knowing that and understanding where the cards were stacked very much in Kane's favour because Tottenham wanted him to sign a new long-term deal when they went into that fabulous new stadium, why would you not put a release clause in it? It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if Daniel Levy says, I'm not having a release clause, then he say, I'm not signing a new contract and, and I'll, 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 I'll go elsewhere because I'm the captain of England. I'm scoring 30 goals a season against top quality opposition week in, week out. Take your chances, Daniel. Again, which is going to cost you to replace me? Uh, if I go on a Bosman. So I, I, I just, you know, if there's a finger of blame, look, you know, 
football clubs have agitated for players, you know, for, for, for years and years and years. I mean, you know, we, you can go back and there was, you know, I remember 20 years ago, Juventus were, um, there was a summer long, um, Willie Wonty Juventus put on uh, Patrick Vieira at Arsenal yeah. and we've had Gareth Barry going to Liverpool and he didn't from 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 Aston Villa. There are all specific circumstances re- regarding the, the transfer. So, and, you know, suitors have made their, you know, um, their interest in players known for a long time, but, whether or not we can point the finger of blame at Manchester City, I don't know. I mean, they want the best for their club. Spurs want the best for theirs. Harry Kane wants the best for himself. If it was me, I'd be pointing the finger of blame firmly at his agents and and asking them why they never bothered putting a release clause in there. Yeah, yeah. It it is amazing because he did sign that six-year deal when he was 24. You know, I mean... Uh, the time to change, don't they? But I mean, he was he was you know doing well under Pochettino at the time. Tottenham were trying to sort of you know move forward and sort of kind of become a developing club, if you like. And you think it will it will never it will never end like this. Uh, and, yeah. and yet, you know, I mean, he everyone, was everyone knows that when he signed that. He was a known quantity when he signed that deal. Mm. Yeah. you know that's 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 the thing. He was pretty much you know. Um, he scaled the heights. He was already the, the leading goal scorer in the Premier League. He was banging in goals left, right, and centre. He, he, he was, like I say, he was a known quantity. I just, just don't understand it at all. But you know, the, the thing is, with that contract is Harry Kane thought he was signing up for silverware for six years to come because Spurs were on the up and up, just banging on the door of, of waiting to win something. And there was, there was a feeling at the time that there's, yeah, Pochettino's bound to win something eventually. Um, and he thought he was signing up for a team that could deliver him. Um, silverware that he craved uh, and the fact he hasn't worked out I'm sorry that's how football is you know teams are good then suddenly they're not quite so good uh, and, and you can't just jump in and say oh well they're better than them they're going to win more trophies I want to play for them that's not how football works and, and, and as you mentioned those ankle he'd had three of those ankle injuries before he signed that contract and for Spurs to give him six years they could have been paying five years of that for somebody who could barely kick a ball you know, one really bad ankle injury, and and that's that's what they've won with themselves. With they took a chance on him, he took a chance on them. It hasn't worked out, but you can't just suddenly say, "Oh well, now I want to go and play for somebody else now." And that, and that's where he's got it all wrong. He needs to sit down and think why he signed for Spurs for six years back then. He needs to think, you know, what they seem to offer. It, you know, it's not been for one to try that Spurs have have not done so well recently. They've they've built the stadium, they've built the training ground, they've spent money in the transfer market, not necessarily on the right players. When they couldn't quite get there under Pochettino, they went for who they felt was the man who could deliver them success. It didn't work out again. You know, Spurs, Spurs are trying desperately to win silverware for Harry Kane, uh, and it's just not happening. But but that that is why it's a sport. That's why it's football. That's why we love it because you can't predict the results. And uh, even if he signed for Manchester City, he still wouldn't have won the Champions League, you know, because we all expect City to win that at some point. They haven't yet. Uh, and Guardiola going now sets the time limit on him doing that for City. You know, it's, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Harry Kane, I'm a little bit disappointed in him personally because I think he's a fantastic sportsman and, uh, and a role model for so many people. But but on a very human level, I think he's let himself down a little bit. Um on the ways he's handled himself this summer. Yeah, I, I, listen, I take a lot of what you'd say on board, Matt, <laughs> I do, uh, but I do think that, you know, on the one hand, you can't say, well, there's no guarantee even at, at, at City, or on the other hand, saying that basically he, he thought he was signing up for, 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 for trophies at Spurs. So, look, I think there's a bit of balance there, but, you know, I, I must say one of our contributors always look at the com- comments, the Spurs web makes the point, you know, that basically it, 
you know, he's he, he's looked after by his family basically, and um, which uh, w- which is an interesting point. You know, hasn't played out well for them, has it? And I do think maybe a sort of kind of a, perhaps a more heavyweight agent. You know, if he if he'd still got one of those involved, then then who knows? It it might have happened. I suspect they probably would have made more headway. I'm not completely convinced. Well, I'm not convinced at all, actually, that, that, that you know the deal still would have got done with because Daniel Levy can be a law unto himself, really. And I guess he always wants the best for Spurs. But I don't, you know, for Harry Kane, Chris, I I, I see a lot of people write this morning. Oh, he's the best striker in the world. For me, he's not. You know, he aspires to be. He could be. But you know, I mean, uh, uh, are people forgetting Robert Lewandowski, the kind of you know top scorer in the in, in the Bundesliga, the top scorer in the Champions League, who wins the Champions League, serial winner. I mean, he's just scores goals for fun year in year out. But why I actually thought, wow, you know, kind of Harry Kane is is doing something here. Was his ambition to be the best striker in in the world, if that makes sense, and compete also with the other kind of global superstars like a Messi, like a Ronaldo. And then go and win trophies, and so I guess you know is that is that element still to be admired? Does that sort of kind of be respected? I'm sure Spurs fans won't might not see it like that, but you kind of yeah. got to admire his ambition in a way, if you see what I mean. Yeah, look, you know, he, he's shown his ambition throughout his career in, in constantly improving his game. I know signing a six year deal at a club who who was no guarantee of winning trophies, maybe to some people wouldn't be a sign of ambition, but he's always tried to develop his game. Um, we've seen in the last few years, he's added a lot of assists to his game. He's always working hard. He he's, he doesn't seem like a, a striker who just gets lazy or anything. But yeah, that ambition to win trophies, because you say Lewandowski's done it all. He's won every, every club trophy in Germany and in Europe. So Kane's probably looking at him and going, if I'm going to be better than him, I have to start winning. I have to be playing with the best players every week. And if he's playing at Man City with Mares, Sterling, Jack Grealish, all of these providing balls into the box, I'm not knocking Tottenham. Tottenham have got some good players too, and he's got a great relationship with Son. But if he's playing with them players, surely he's going to score even more goals, and he's going to develop better as a player. And Guardiola has shown that he can develop players as well. Like, what can he do with Kane? Kane must be thinking, imagine working with Guardiola, imagine what he can teach me, what what their striker coaches can teach me. So, yeah, he's got a great striker. I have no problem with him looking to move. I like, it's for me that I said that this summer comment was more, I just felt that was like, he didn't need to say that. He could have just said, I'm staying at Spurs. Um, just to say this summer, it was just felt a bit cheap to say that, I'm just going to give you another year and then I'm off. I don't. I think most Spurs fans would accept, would have accepted if he went this summer. If Man City paid what Daniel Levy wanted, they would have said, "Yeah, great. You've been a legend for us. You've done everything you can. Fair play. Go off and do it." But for whatever reason, City were not prepared to pay that extra twenty, thirty million or whatever. And I, I, I imagine, like obviously, Kane's agent, his brother, has made mistakes and, and they have messed this up. But they may might as well look at City and go, hold on a minute, you said you wanted them. Well, why aren't you paying the money? You said, like, they, they wouldn't have done what they did unless they thought Man City wanted them. And, okay, they probably made a mistake in, and I'm only guessing this, not checking what City were willing to pay and what Levy wanted, or did they just think, oh, Levy will, will, will buckle, which would have been the biggest mistake ever because everybody knows Levy will never buckle. But they should also be going to City. So I thought you wanted them. 
that's the price. It's not our fault. Go and pay it. You, mm. you've, you've shown you paid a hundred million for Jack Grealish. Harry Kane's got to be worth 150 million. I'm sorry. If Jack Grealish is worth 100 million, Kane's worth 150. He's the finished product. He's guaranteed 20, 30 goals. Um, Grealish could go on and become a better player in the next few years. No doubt about it. He's got the potential. But at the minute, Harry Kane is the finished article in a sense of a goal score. And he can still get better. So he's got to be worth 150 million in the market. I mean, I don't think any footballer should ever be worth that money. But in the current market, he is. So I think City, well, if I was Kane, I'd be pretty annoyed at City and I'd be going, right, what's the story here? Did you want me or what? Because mm. Daniel Levy wants 150 million. That's what he thinks I'm worth paying. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I do agree. I'm, I'm with you. It is, um, you know, it is baffling to me. I just can't get, I can't get mad around it that they've left themselves exposed like this, you know, without some, some sort of agreement. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, to me, it's unprecedented. You know, there's normally, you know, this normally happens because wheels are in motion. I mean, you know, it's obvious, isn't it, that basically Levy has never, in this process, this summer has never changed his mind, has never enabled it to happen. And it just, it's, it, it looks embarrassing for absolutely everybody by him, I think, to be honest. It's, it's naivety. And having just heard yeah. Mox on the, on the warpath, I'd much rather have Mox as my agent than Charlie <laughs> Dane. I thought we played a very good game. <laughs> that's, that's, so, that's, so next time I've got a deal to be negotiated, Mox, <laughs> mind you, 10% of not very much is even less. So uh, that wouldn't necessarily suggest you take the job on. Well, in a similar in a similar vein then Mox right what are your chances of negotiating a striker for Manchester City because I look at it and I think my my word they need one you know and there's been a lot of talk about Cristiano Ronaldo does can that possibly happen you know United legend if you like basically you're rocking up at up at Man City surely City needs someone though don't they <laughs> I would have thought so, mate, quite frankly. They're going into it uh, horribly exposed. I don't if, they, if Gabriel Jesus is the only sort of recognised. But, uh, you know, I was speaking to somebody yesterday. I, I know it's left field. I know it's well out there. But they've got, I know, and I know it would have escaped under the radar of a lot of people. But, you know, we all speak to people in football. Um, I mean, I, I didn't realise how, how highly they rated, um, is it Liam Delap, who's, yeah. who's, who's, who's there at the moment? I mean, I think he's just signed a six year deal. Um, and oh God, not a six-year deal. Yeah, anything six but a six-year deal. deal. I, don't know. I wonder if there's a release clause in it. Anyway, but I didn't realise that quite how highly they rated him. Um, and I obviously, you know, but we're relying on Gabriel Jesus, who, who doesn't seem to me to, to have the X factor in terms of scoring goals regularly against the elite. Um, and, and and obviously, a kid that's come through the youth ranks there, he's he's perhaps you know a step too far. Perhaps they can get through it. They perhaps I might make a decision. Look, you know, um, I mean, if they don't do it, that that will, I think that's the sign that they will go and sign. They will go, you know, um, hell for leather to sign Erling Haaland next summer. I mean, I think Kane might well have moved off the radar by then. I think I agree with Matt. I think there's more value in signing or Chris, or I can't remember who said it a minute ago. That's how old I'm getting. I can't even remember what said five minutes ago. Um, you know, as to as to uh, offering more potential long term value. Uh, for them and then, then perhaps Harry Kane would I mean obviously it's going to come down to release clauses and again you know, value over uh, length of contract etc etc et but yeah I mean look they may well take that um, they may well take that view or alternatively you know try and get you know I don't know somebody like Sergio Aguero back for a season if they're struggling to pay him at Barcelona I, listen I don't I, I don't know I, I, if I was Manchester City what would I do 
I'd have sorted it out long before now, quite frankly, because they they knew back in um, well they knew sort of probably twelve months ago that Sergio Aguero uh, Sergio Aguero was going to have his swan song. So why weren't sort of uh, concrete plans put in place? Surely they didn't get to May and then think to themselves, oh, we're short of a striker. But clearly, they've you know it's got five days now till the end of the window, and they look like they are. Um, I don't know. I don't know, mate. To be honest, would because if they go and sign, a, you know, a, a, another striker, does that mean that that Harlan can't come next next season? Um, that they won't be in the market for him. I, I, I wonder whether they might try and get somebody on loan that's half decent for 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 a season. You know, as a, as, a, as an alternative to Gabriel Jesus, just to get them through this this next twelve months. Uh, that that would be my um, that would be my guess. Who I, I really haven't got any. I haven't got any um, concrete. Thoughts on that one way or the other, quite frankly, but um, I, I think they would leave themselves exposed if they don't um, if they don't go and get someone. Yeah, I mean, Chris, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I don't know whether you've seen the sort of story about Guardiola suggesting he'll quit. You know, club football. Yeah. <laughs> so he hasn't. It's what twenty twenty three. So he hasn't actually got that long. As he <laughs> get his skates no. on, really, and yeah, furnish him with well, the players he needs to sort of kind of win some trophies before he says goodbye. You know, it's just. I, was, I thought it was remarkable. I don't know whether those things ever stack up when people talk. You know, managers talk in hypothetical terms, but he's yeah. sort of kind of hinting heavily that he might fancy an international job. You know, and, and seriously, do, you know, City have to think about it in those sort of terms. Well, we've got we've got to strike while the iron's hot while Guardiola's still here. Well, yeah, well, that's that. I think that's the kind of decision now they've got to make because if they're going to go all out for the next year or two to win the Champions League, can they afford to wait a year for Haaland? Mm. Probably not. So I don't, I don't know what Bayern would be looking for. I imagine a silly amount of money. But Lewandowski said last week he fancies a different challenge. Do they now go on turn attention to him? Because he's 33. So he is the, the man, but he's only got a year or two at the top left. But if they want to go and win the Champions League this year or next year under Guardiola, surely that's the signing. If but again, but they might want even more than what Tottenham want for Kane, even though he's 33. I don't don't know what Bayern Bayern would demand for that. Um but that that'd be the striker if, if they definitely want to compete, is there. Ronaldo is a, is an option. Um, because he's pretty much a number nine now, he will just be. He's more of a, of a goal poacher now, isn't he? Then he's not going to be explosive and running up and down and doing all of that. But <laughs> and they'd obviously love to do that to rub the noses of uh, United. They, they've done that in the past with Tevez and and stuff. So, but for Ronaldo's sake, I mean, to go there, is he thinking? Oh well, Messi's going to go for the Champions League with PSG. If I stay at Juve, I've got no chance. If I go to Man City, I can win the Champions League, maybe. But he's going to ruin his reputation on the red half of Manchester. And I, I, I've no idea what kind of person he is. But if that means acting to him, then he, he shouldn't go to City. But maybe it means nothing to him. Yeah, I I, I think it I think it does. I, I'm an old romantic, <laughs> so I'd like to think it does. I can't see it. played for both, didn't they? He did, yeah. It's but you know, different now, <laughs> Yeah, it was really interesting, wasn't it, last week, when clearly I think maybe um, Ancelotti upset his ego a little bit by, by saying, you know, they wouldn't be interested in taking him back to Madrid. And it just feels as if, you know, either he's pushing for a new contract at Juve he might be in a similar situation to Lewandowski here because the suggestion is that Lewandowski kind of made it be known that he might leave because he didn't feel that he'd get a, contract, a new contract with a top club when his 
Bayern one left. So that's why he's feeling a bit restless. Now, I just wonder whether, you know, Ronaldo's either angling for a new contract at Juve or angling for one last challenge, you know, with his contract running down. And you just think, well, you know, would he, would he be tempted? You know, he ruled out Madrid, but, you know, he kind of didn't. We didn't sort of get to know about what his thoughts were about Man City or otherwise, you know. So it's, um, it's strange. Yeah, it's a, it's a really strange one. We should look at um, Matt, Matt, Matt's favourite football club, Arsenal. And um, my word, they've missed you while you've been away, Matt. And uh, and it, they've yeah, really perked like, up, haven't they? They've really perked up. I mean, what a fantastic <laughs> victory that was, really, last night. You know, good, complete game changer, oh. really, putting six oh. past um, Those West 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 teenagers, you know. <laughs> but no, I, you know, what, what, do you, what, what was your reading of it? Does that give them any hope of belief? No, um, well, for a trip to, to Manchester City on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne again, or a West Brom teenager, you know. Uh, and if he's not fit, then who goodness knows who else. Um, no, not at all. It's their worst start for 128 year history uh, in the league, which is where it actually matters. Um, and uh, they looked a game off the game or two off the pace. I watched the preseason friendlies against Spurs and Chelsea, and they looked a game or two behind them both. Um, in those friendlies, although they they came back against the Chelsea Reds, and they're good against the reserve teams, obviously, because when Chelsea made all their changes, they they finally did a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, it was um, uh, yeah. The, the, I don't know where they are, and and Arteta's used as an excuse the last two years that he hasn't had a proper preseason with them. Well, he's had a proper preseason now, and it's worse than ever. Uh, and he says, "Well, we've recruited for the long term." You know, this is going to take some time. He's nearly had two years. Um, I don't know what he expects. You know, uh, you know, the average, you know, take Fergie and Wenger out of the equation. You're talking about 56 games for the average Premier League manager. He said this will be 61 on, on Saturday. He's, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, how much patience he expects from the Arsenal board. We keep being told that behind the scenes, he's getting loads of things sorted. Uh, for instance, he's sorted out the Ozil affair. Once and for all, albeit you know, rather finally. Well, we've had a year since then. That was a chance to get the poison out of the heart of the club and develop. It's not happened. I don't get what's going on. I don't get why uh, there's so much confidence in a manager who's never done anything in the game, apart from sit at Guardiola's knee um, uh, and learn some fancy tricks or whatever. Yeah, you know, he's never led a team. He's never. He doesn't seem to have a philosophy like Guardiola does. You know, it's kind of a mix and match of a, of a team that goes out you know, in the game so far. And, you know, there's no heart. There's, I mean, Ben White looks like a fantastic player for 50 minutes, but he's got so much to do. He can't do it all himself. Tierney's a great player, but you need 11 great players or at least 11 good players. And they're so far away from that. The only other decent players that they've got are close to the exit door at the, the other end of the pitch. Uh, it's just still a mess. You, you, I don't see how any Arsenal fan could go into the the season with any sort of confidence. And I noticed, what, 58,000 tickets sold on the opening day of the season and loads and loads of empty seats. People are paying money not to watch Arsenal. You know, if that's not a sad indictment of where the club are, <laughs> it, it, it's terrible. And, and I can't see how they're going to finish any more than about eighth again, uh, you know, unless something dramatic happens, like a change of manager, perhaps. I, I just don't get what Arteta brings to the table. Lovely man though he is, uh, and general good all-round good egg. 
I just don't, in two years, haven't seen anything that makes me think, oh, I can see what they're going for. Then above that, you've got the hierarchy that have made some atrocious signings in recent seasons. And the whole thing is a mess. And, and you know, unfortunately, the manager's always the one in the firing line. And, and if he doesn't, you know, I think perhaps the first international window is a bit early, but the second one, you know, I, I, I'd be twitching a little bit. Army, yeah. Say what you really think, you know. Yeah, that's on the basis of two <laughs> I just, games. I just, I, yeah, just hope that the, 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 yeah, none of the players are, are, are listening. Otherwise, you certainly have killed their mood and not. Just, just to let you know, Matt, if we see each other at King's Cross and we're getting the tube, I'm not walking with you. You can just like, toddle off on your own in that direction. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. I'll tell you what, Mox, right? Here's the thing that, that I do actually think they've spent 140 million quid. Let's see whether that's well spent. And then basically, I do think that there's sort of kind of the back in the manager right and basically it has this overwhelming sea of negativity i think you're allowed to criticize but i don't i don't you know i think sometimes you know the covid situation but the traveling fans last night sort of kind of you know over two and a half thousand of them basically had their say sort of afterwards they was singing about sort of arsenal fan tv get out of our club which i just thought was quite interesting really in that sort of the match going fan perhaps is getting a little bit fed up with the negativity and noise around it i don't know whether that's that's fair because personally i think arteta you know some of the criticism has, has been very very fair i think yeah, actually i would rather agree with matt sometimes i think he's actually got away with some of it lightly well you know is arteta getting away with it sort of lightly sort of thing because it has been or or you know been a very wretched start basically but you know it, it should there be excuses are the excuses valid over covid and bad preparation i think everybody's getting away with it lightly at arsenal quite frankly i think the players are i think the manager is i feel you know i feel a little bit you know sorry as you always do for supporters because you know they expect a, a little bit more and the money they've they've, they've died, you know they've fed out on for years on the on the beautiful game as 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 Alavenga, and perhaps it did give them a, a, an elevated status that um, perhaps some have taken for granted, you know, and um, perhaps and perhaps now, you know, they, you know, after any, you know, we saw with Ferguson going, didn't we? There was a vacuum for a while until Manchester United sort of steadied itself, and whether or not it's actually going forwards now is, you know, after a one point two billion billion pound spend following his departure. You know, listen. That's that's a that's another discussion. But I, I really feel a bit sorry for um, the supporters and all of this. I think there's been bad decisions taken everywhere. I mean, you know, at Arteta, or at least in our under Arteta's um, watch, they've been allowed to spend 140 million pounds this this summer. And I don't think any of them are A-listers. And I don't think I, I'm looking at I'm looking at the likes of Ben White and looking and thinking to myself, well, he's got bullied got bullied at Brentford. And, and I'm thinking, well, what's you know Lukaku going to do with the, with him and everybody else? I, I mean, obviously we didn't get the chance to see that last week, but I'm just wondering exactly what you know where the A-listers are that that, that Arsene Wenger seems to like sort of um, discover, polish, and then put out on the platform that is Arsenal FC, and they like deliver. You know, um, they'd be competitive at the, really at the, the higher end. I agree with Matt. I can't find anything anything that Matt said that I disagree with. And quite frankly, you know, the, the fact that Arteta, who is a rookie manager, has been left in charge of this monster, monstrous, monstrously large football club simply beggars belief. You know, I mean, you can say it's a huge vote of confidence in him. Well, God blimey, I mean, yes, it is. But I would contend that it's like asking the bloke who runs a local corner shop to go and manage Harrods. It just, you know, it's just, I just don't see the logic in it uh, with a club that size. Surely... 
the manager should have a track record. He should have a policy of bringing young players through or a way of playing football that's been well established. We don't know any of these things. Mikel Arteta's learning on the job at Arsenal. It's just a nonsensical situation. And, and the recruitment doesn't really fill me with any great... Um, Great, any great excitement either. I think, I think, again, we all speak to people in football. The word was I got, we've got a really young squad in two or three years. We'll be in a great position to challenge again. Well, what do they think Manchester City, Chelsea and all the rest of them, Liverpool are doing at the moment? They've got better teams. They're going to get more revenue because they're in the Champions League. And Arsenal are going to find, fall further behind. And when some of those players are like top, 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 top draw, they'll find them being cherry-picked by the likes of Manchester City and Manchester United, who can pay 120, 150 million pounds for these players. And Arsenal won't have a, have a leg to stand on. I don't get any of it, John, quite frankly. I don't understand the approach, full stop. And I agree with everything that Matt said. Blimey. Yeah, it's not often it's not often we hear those sort of words. I have to say, I agree with everything that Matt said. It's, it's, it's a first, but there you go. <laughs> so, so I take it the reason you won't start with the next few on the tube, which is personal. Be honest with you, it presupposes I wanted to spam you in the first place. But I don't have that hey, <laughs> to be mate. Dear idea, do you give him any chance at Man City on Saturday? Um, no, no, but I mean. It's, I suppose the hope that Tottenham beat City and that, but City looks. I know it was Norwich, but they were backfiring and 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 that last weekend. So Arsenal have a bit of confidence. I know it was West Brom's second string team, but at least they've got some goals and a bit of belief back maybe from that. But I can't see them getting a result there. I mean, I just. No, and, and that's kind of a, a, a sad state to be in for Arsenal because mm. you would have always given them a chance, even even in the not so great years on the on the Wenger towards the end. You would still like, would you have ever just expected them to go to anywhere and just get beat? You always given them an, an outside chance, and I think that's what the sad state. was. these are these are not the games they 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 need to win City away for them and what they want to achieve. Um, they need to be beating the teams around them to push into that top six, and and if they can pick the old draw against teams like this, then then they'll take that as a success. But they've got to build, and uh, as Neil said, that but that's no cha- that's no easy challenge because, as you say, you can try and do it over a few years, but everybody else is getting stronger in that meantime. So it's what you can do. It's it's. The thing with Arsenal, and you know better than me, John, they don't seem to have held that kind of gravitas. Like even when United dropped out of the top four, they could still sign the superstars, the big names, and obviously they were throwing a lot of money at it, and that helps. But Arsenal don't seem to be able to do that, or maybe that's just their way. They don't want. They don't want to go that. They don't want to be competing for the big names and try and lure in somebody from Europe that can just take them up a level. I, I don't know, but. They seem to be fixated on on developing these players and turning them into much better players, which is which is good in one way, but it's going to be a challenge to catch up on the rest. I think over the next couple of years. But I, I don't. Know, what do you think is a success for them this season? I think I think pushing for top six really. Yeah, yeah. I can't I can't see that they can possibly dream about breaking into the top four. I think the top four looks almost looks like a cl- closed shop. I mean, it rarely works out like that, but. It really, who are the who are the threat to the top four? Leicester, Tottenham. Otherwise, I'd just say that the top four sewn up. Really. I, I get to forty points first. 
<laughs> but, but what happens with Arteta if they finish sixth and don't win a trophy? Does he stay? I think if he finishes sixth, I think yeah, I think he'd be all right. I don't. I just don't. I rather agree with Matt. I don't think he can be you know going into into November December time like he was last season, flirting with a relegation battle. I mean, they never truly got sucked in, but they can't do that again. And yet three straight defeats at the start of a Premier League season. Yes, the fixtures get a little bit earlier and easier. And what I would say is that, you know, Brentford was the real car crash, you know, losing that game. Yes, they did have issues. But, you know, come on, you're going to lose against Chelsea and Man City if you're if you're Arsenal at the current state of affairs. But the game they really slipped up in and the one that, they, you know, the rue is, is Brentford, isn't it? But, you know, I th- personally, I think getting sixth position, getting back into Europe would be would be progress enough because you just got to be realistic. Is it good enough for, you know, for Arsenal's ambition and their fans? No, but, you know, they're coming from a pretty low base at the moment. So, and, 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 you know, that's the reality, isn't it? But there you go. But listen, let's have a look at Liverpool Chelsea. Cause I do think that's the, you know, that, that is an absolute monster, monster game. Really. I did, you know, Chelsea was so impressive. I thought, um, at Arsenal last weekend and particularly Lukaku, for, for Van Dijk, it's been a bit of a breeze, hasn't it? You know, so far on his return. But, you know, does, Matt, does Lukaku give Van Dijk a proper proper test? Is this is kind of, you know, a welcome back uh, oh, this to be the a, Premier League? Yeah, it's the sort of test that Van Dijk would have dealt with pre-injury without really worrying about it. Uh, and it is a real test of, of where he is mentally as much as physically. Um, and his confidence levels afterwards has substantial, been a substantial layoff. Um, speaking of mentality, I won one of the. I did the preseason Chelsea tour in 2013, where he just came back from West Brom, and Lukaku has always stuck with me. Just how confident a fella he's not someone that we hear a lot from often, but he's just so much belief even then in his ability and everything he's done since. It's kind of built him into the player that he is now. And he's so strong. And, and you know, he has the pace, he has the strength, he has the tactical nous um, to go with it. Um, you know, he's emerged into the sort of player that at the, the, the time Chelsea couldn't wait for, although he was convinced he was going to replace, he was going to keep Fernando Torres and at the time uh, Wayne Rooney out of the team because Chelsea were close to signing him. Um, he believed he was that good back then. So he's become everything that, that kind of, we suspected he might do um, in time. Uh, and that sort of challenge, that robust challenge, is something that Van Dyke probably needs to knock any last pieces of rust off and really get in play. Because this game, I think, is far more important for Liverpool um, because they need to re-establish themselves as title contenders. You know, we know Chelsea are going to challenge for the title just based on what Tuchel did in, in the second half of the season. Liverpool, I think we need to see how Van Dyke's playing. Um, you know, we need to see how uh, a strike force that didn't do so well last season reignites itself. Uh, and these games, in particular, amongst the top sort of four, um, the, the real title contenders are going to be absolutely vital this season because there's no way that Liverpool are going to leak points at Anfield like they did last season. There's no way that the points are going to be these weird, you know, Aston Villa thrashing Liverpool, um, you know, Teams losing to teams that you know those freak results aren't going to happen in the same way with full stadiums. I don't think so. It's going to come down to who scores the most points among that small group of title contenders, uh, and this is the first really big one. 
Um, because, uh, and I think the onus is on Liverpool to show that they're in this race and they mean business. Um, and, and if Chelsea can get anything from the game, good for them. But, but yeah, but Liverpool kind of need to just, just as, as a statement of intent. Mm. Yeah. Neil, Neil, do you, do you concur with that? That sort of Chelsea might be just be Man City's, t- you know, closest title challenges might be, uh, might be the team to watch this season. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've got some money on Chelsea, so um, that's that's where my one of my cash is this season, mate. To be honest, um, uh, my own personal point of view is I agree. I can't believe I'm saying this again. Oh, not again, and I, to be honest, I agree with Matt a bit. I, mean, <laughs> I actually think the top. I know. I think the title's going to be decided by the result results of the, the the top four or five against each other. Um, I think whoever sort of like really uh, emerges victorious from those. Particularly the, the Chelsea, with respect to Chelsea, Man City, and Man United, I don't quite see that Liverpool have got. Still, don't my opinion hasn't changed really. In the, you know, uh, from the last week, I still don't think they've quite got the strength and depth and quality. I think the first eleven, yeah, on their day, will be more than a match for um, for anybody else. But I'm still worried about Wine Aldum's the, the the effect that Wine Aldum's loss is going to have on them. Um, you know. From my personal point of view, I think Chelsea, Chelsea are the, the team to catch. I mean, I, and like I say, I just think that this, the, the, the results be from the top four against each of the all Because uh, if you look at the, the sheer weight of spending that's gone on, you know, post-pandemic, you know, the likes of Norwich and Burnley and, and all the rest of them. Burnley have hardly spent a farthing. Norwich obviously banks down and back up. Watford will be down there again. Newcastle have, uh, you know, spent 25 million on Joe Wood. They've got nobody else in. So, they're, they're all, you know, sort of floundering down the bottom of the league uh, or will be, you know, in the lower reaches, let's put it like that. And the top the top clubs have just carried on. You know, uh, Chelsea spent a quarter of a billion pounds 12 months ago and have just spent another 100 million on Lukaku. Um, Manchester United have spent 110 million pounds this summer on Sancho and Vera. You know, Liverpool have, have probably replaced have probably replaced one elder. But Manchester uh, Manchester City have gone out and spent hundred hundred million pounds on Grealish and they obviously if they could have got uh, Kane, if, if Levy had blocked, would have got Kane out for probably another hundred million pounds as well. So, you know, the, the top and bottom of it is that I, I, I foresee that, you know, and, and like Matt says that the, the crowds being in the grounds will, will have an effect. Um, you know, I, I think Liverpool have got it all on, all on to catch the rest of them. Just because the weight of spending at Anfield has been eclipsed by what's been going on elsewhere, plus the fact that the two teams that they're competing against last year, at least, uh, you know, in terms of the league table, were, were better than them. Yeah, uh, Chris. I mean, you cover Liverpool, see a lot of Liverpool. But where are Liverpool? Because I'll be honest. Yeah, you know, they're, they're a very similar team, aren't they? To in terms of lineup, to and they've added Jota and you know a couple of younger players coming through. They've tried to strengthen the central defence, so they are very, in in essence, a very very similar team to the one that basically not only won the Premier League title, became as as we kept on hearing more champions um, in that season. And yet, it just feels as if Jurgen Klopp, you know, rightly or wrongly, is trying to play down expectation and hopes for this season. Is he right to do that, or, or, or you know, or should we expect Liverpool to be title challenges? I don't know. When I think of the title race, I'm still thinking of kind of Liverpool almost as the outsiders in in the race, and I, I don't know whether that's right. Which would you know whether we've been lured into kind of false expectation because they were fabulous that season, and they're very very similar. So what's changed? 
That, that, that's what's kind of puzzling me is that, yeah, two years ago, people were arguing it added the greatest Premier League side mm. ever. I mean, I didn't agree with that. I, I thought they were unbelievable in the season they won it and they contended with the COVID thing and they'd already had it won before COVID happened and all of that. They were unbelievable. Were they the greatest Premier League team? No, because they didn't. The great Premier League teams come back and win it year after year after year. And that's not possible now with the way the money's going around. But they're, they're still they're pretty much the same team. Okay, they've lost one album, and Neil's right to point out that is a big, big loss. They have got young midfielders coming through. They have got Yotta now, who I think adds another dimension to that attack, not only in the way he plays, but also in that he's going to keep those front three on the toes. Like, look, Salah's never going to be dropped. He's the main man. Mane can dip in form. Firmino has shown he can dip in form. They've been allowed to get kind of away with that in the past because the, the, there's been nobody there to really take the place off them. Yota can take the place of either of those. Most likely, Firmino. I still think Firmino starts on, on, on Saturday, by the way, but that's another debate. But I think at the back, you've got Matip's still there. You've got Van Dijk. You've got uh, Joe Gomez, who, if he's back to full fitness, he's older. He should be more mature now. Like, Alexander-Arnold is a better player. He's always still learning. Robertson as well. So, I, I think they have to be contenders. They should be contenders. And if they're not contending for the title, then something's gone wrong. Yes, OK, it, it, three or four injuries again, and they're in trouble. And that's what happened last year. That shows that if they lose three or four players, yeah, they'll, they'll be in a bit of bother. If they lost Fabinho for an extended period of time, they might they might struggle. If they lost Van Dijk again for a long time, they might struggle. But with their kind of 14, 15 best players, they should be competing for the title, in my view. And got to look at I know Chelsea was a funny old season, the way it started with Tuchel coming in halfway through and, and they've got Lukaku now. But Liverpool still finished above Chelsea last season without Van Dijk, without Matip, without Gomez for most of the season. So to suddenly, I think, to just go, oh, they've got no chance of keeping pace with Chelsea, I, 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 think, I think that's a bit much. Um, so I, I, I don't know if Klopp's playing it down, but I think if Liverpool are not there or thereabouts with the squad they have, um, then I think, yeah, you've got a question of what's gone wrong there because last season you can write off as a write-off. You can go... No crowds, you can go all the injuries they had, but they've got Thiago now, they've got Yotta. They they've lost Wijnaldum, so balances it a little bit, but they are overall should be a stronger team than they were when they won the title, in my view. So they've got to be contending and if they're not, I think something's definitely gone wrong. Yeah, it's interesting, Chris, because I, I, you know, our, our, our old friend Alan Chamberlain, a regular sort of contributor, is saying that basically funny, but didn't Liverpool, having had a terrible season, still finish above Chelsea? So to automatically say Chelsea are title contenders, Liverpool aren't, is quite frankly a joke. Well, that's exactly what Chris is saying, to be honest. But, you know, I'm not going mad here, but Jurgen, it feels like. You know, from someone who you know follows Liverpool closely and, and and watches and reads everywhere that Klopp says, he's been anxious to play it down a bit, hasn't he? I mean, he, he's yeah. he's you know, understandably so to a degree. Every manager does that to a degree, but I think in a way that he's played it down so much that he's he's fooled a few of us into thinking, well, they are the outsiders. That's not that's not unfair, is it? On on, on reading of it, and that's maybe mind games, but that's that seems to me. What's happened, isn't it? 
Yeah, he's got a knack of doing this every year, Klopp, in a way. Like, even after they won the Champions League, everybody was just like, oh, well, Champions League winners, you've got to go and win the league now. And he's like, well, hold on, Man City. He's, he's good at talking about how everybody else is great. He continuously calls Man City the greatest club team in the world. He always talks up the rivals and he'll always go through the list. He won't even just say, oh, it's Man City. He will go Chelsea, Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham. He throws them in the mix sometimes and you're going, come on, Arsenal, Tottenham are not in the title race. But yeah, I think he's always got that knack. And maybe he is over doing it this year because he's looking and going, well, they spent over 100 million, both of them. So they should be better than us. But Maybe that's the mindset of the club. I think he likes that kind of attitude, doesn't he? It's us against mm. them, and and let's let's kind of bond together and let's prove everybody wrong. And it's this is a team. It's not about one player. It's not about the two hundred and fifty million pounds signing. It's about us all. Um, I know they've spent big money on individual players, so in the past, but that's the kind of mentality and what. And maybe that's what he's looking for. Maybe he's like trying to get that. He's going, look, everybody's writing us off because of last season. Let's go out and prove them wrong. Um, and maybe that's the attitude he's building inside Anfield for this season. Mm, yeah, no, it's it's um it'll be it'll be interesting really. Matt, Matt, how do you see Saturday going? Um, I think it'll be um I fancy as a draw actually. I think Chelsea will get something from the game. I know that's a little bit sitting on the fence. Um but I do think uh but I, I put it this way, I don't see Chelsea winning it, which is against perhaps the odds. Um, I can see them perhaps getting something from the game, but but I, I think as Chris has said, you know, let's not forget how good Liverpool are. Mm. Well, last time Virgil Van Dijk was an eighty-five million new signing, they went on and won the league, uh, and that's a kind of what he is again. He's it's a lot of fresh impetus, uh, and if they can get that sort of uh, belief reaffirming result early in the season. Um, then, then I think Liverpool sh- should be up there, and, and it should, could be one of the most fascinating, I think, three-way title races that, that, that we've had for a long, long time. Mm. Three-way. Well, with City, Chelsea, yeah. well, United. Well, I'm, uh, I get that, but no, did, well, United, United another step away. United might might be in amongst the mix, but I don't think they're realistic title contenders yet. Right. I think they need a season to bed down and, and maybe see where they're going. And a, and a centre forward. And a centre forward. Well, yeah, yeah. If you see what I mean. And yeah, no, I think I think they're about their they're, they're leading strikers about ten goals light. So perhaps when they sign Harry Kane next summer. <laughs> very good, very good. Right, and finally, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna go around the around the room. Really, uh, I'll, I'll start with Neil if, if that's all right, Mox. But. Um, just, just baby, basically, yeah, definitely won't be starting with Matt on this subject. It says here, maybe to give Mikel Arteta some optimism. Moments when the apprentice has shocked the master. So Arteta facing his former boss in, in Pep Guardiola at the Etihad on, 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 on Saturday. Any inspirational stories, any memories, Mox, that you might think of? The only one that really sort of springs to mind, but I don't know whether or not the great man was alive still to see it, was Jose. And Bobby Robson. Mm. I just wonder whether or not, um, you know, there was a nod towards, um, uh, you know, the, you know, the fact that he was the translator. I know he was a coach in his own right, but he was famously, obviously, Sir Bobby's translator at Bar- at uh, Barcelona. Bar- was he was Barcelona, wasn't he? Mm. At Barcelona, and uh, and obviously went on. I think in two thousand, I think it was two thousand and three, uh, to win the Champions League with Porto. 
or two or two thousand and four when the UEFA Cup didn't be beforehand. And I just wonder whether Sir Bobby was, um, you know, alive and and sort of um, able to. So so yeah, listen, it can happen. I'm I'm not holding out too many uh, uh, hopes of a re- repeat, mate. To be honest, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, fair enough, Chris. Uh, mine was a, a kind of a one match thing and it is Mourinho again the 2010 Champions League final Van Hal against Mourinho obviously after Bobby Robson he, he, he was kind of into more coaching and he ended up as Van Hal's assistant didn't he at Barcelona and he mm-hmm. learned, a, learned a lot from him and then they met in the 2010 final which was I, I thought Mourinho at the real peak of his powers with that Inter Milan team who who had some quality, don't get me wrong, but they beat Bar- a great Barcelona side in the semis and then to go and beat Bayern Munich in the final. I think they won the treble that year and that that was one of his great, great achievements. And to do it against his kind of, his former boss was was probably a little bit special as well. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Matt? I could give Mourinho the big three fingers and, uh, uh, and include him respect, again. Respect, respect, respect. respect. <laughs> But unfortunately, that third finger I, I, I would put on the put the other way around and uh, say that for as much as he's perhaps not turned out to be quite the, the golden boy of management as we all made him out to be initially, um, Frank Lampard does at least have a couple of wins against Mourinho under his belt when he did actually outthink him and outplay him in his early career. But but in terms of a, a, a proper master against uh, sort of uh, apprentice against master kind of showing, I'm going to be a bit more parochial. Uh, and a bit more recent, um, just as recently as August the 5th. Um, when I first started in journalism uh, and moved up to Yorkshire, Simon Mullock was the big brash noise up there. Uh, and I've always been a huge admirer of Andy Dunn's writing and his judgment in the game when he's not um, being blinkered by Jack Grealish. Um, but on August the 5th, we, we all three of us were asked by by Jeremy Cross, you know, the, the other, the lesser Cross, shall we say, in his absence, um, uh whether we thought uh, Harry Kane would be a uh, Manchester City player um, by the end of the transfer window. Uh, and sadly, Mr. Mullock and Mr. Dunn, two, two great masters of the journalism game, both said he would be. Uh, and I suggested he wouldn't. And uh, I'm feeling there's a, a little bit of uh, done upmanship, at least, um, on the basis of that today. So I'm feeling a little bit smug on myself because, as you say, it's not often that, that I get things right. So. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I just wanted to throw that one into the mix. But the good thing is, Matt, that you didn't make it all about you. No, that's and, important. That, and that's important in journalism. That's really yeah. important in journalism. So Still <laughs> I, made it, I made it more. I, I, I knocked Jose out of the picture to make it all about me. That's, that's quite remarkable, sort of self-interest. But there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I have to say, I do think we're probably, we're probably a few of us think we rather sort of kind of cynically thought this will never happen. But there you go. Anyway, it seemed like quite a good story that that's kept in kept us going all and summer it long. It's been, been a welcome distraction. So uh, there you go. Finally put to bed. So maybe we should put a draw a line under it and say next week definitely no Harry Kane transfer talk it would be a refreshing break. But anyway, guys, thanks so much for joining. I really appreciate it. And everyone, um, thanks for. Um, uh, thanks for watching do appreciate it and uh, yeah have a good weekend and uh, and enjoy Harry Kane definitely playing for Spurs bye bye <laughs>